Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, writer, podcaster, and thought extraordinaire Dennis Norris II from the Food for Thought podcast is joining me this week to talk about what happens when the hot jock from school starts trying to get in your pants. Oh, and of course you can feel free to add in bottom extraordinaire or something like that. I love talking about my bottomhood. Lovely. You're listening to Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them. Okay, so this story actually begins at the end of my senior year of high school. So you may know this about me if you've listened to Food for Thought, but I went to an all-boys high school in a place called Hunting Valley, Ohio. And, you know, it was a sort of deeply homophobic place, like deeply problematic place, very conservative. And it was a really difficult time for me. But during my senior year, there were like a lot of guys who started like hitting on me and flirting with me. And I just sort of, most of the time I thought they were fucking with me because they had always been very like straight identified. But towards the end of my senior year, I went to a couple parties and there was this one guy and he was super hot and I'm going to call him Chad, sticking with those one syllable white boy first names that I have a tendency to end up sleeping with. (laughs) (laughs) And Chad and I ran into each other at, at a party and he flirted with me quite a bit in fact he wanted me to get in the hot tub with him but oh, i nice. wouldn't because i didn't trust the whole situation but he got out towards the end of the party and he gave me his number and he was like anytime you want to fool around like let me know i still didn't trust it i had just had my first drink at this party like i was just like i don't know what's going on i don't trust any of this i really was like a nun in high school. Was he keeping it on the down low or was he just not bothered who overheard what you were? He kind of kept it on the down low. Like he wasn't loud about it, but there were other people in the periphery. Certainly my best friend who who was a girl and did not go to school with us, but I could bring her to whatever party I wanted to because all the guys thought she was hot. (laughs) She heard, and I don't remember if other people heard or not, but there were like, this was in a kitchen of a house at a house party. Like it's not like it was some huge space. So it seemed like he didn't care that much. I think there was a lot of like, fuck it all, we're all leaving this place. So he was a little more reckless than he would have been. The invitation to get into the hot tub came in an isolated space, but the rest of it, he was around people. I think that's part of why I still didn't trust it and thought it was like a joke or thought he was like making fun of me in some way. Because we hadn't really been friends in school either. Like we knew each other. It was a small school. He was pleasant enough, but we weren't like friends. So I went on my way and I I ran into him at a graduation party like a week later, someone's graduation party. And he, at one point we were by the food by ourselves and he was like, seriously, like hit me up anytime you want to fool around. I still didn't trust (laughs) it. So I went off to camp for the summer. I went away for six weeks and I had to go to college right after I got back home from camp. So had didn't see him for a long time. And then I was home for the holidays. So I was home for Christmas and New Year's. And I went with my two best friends to a Denny's late at night to just have food. So we go there and I see this guy, I see Chad and I see him with this other guy that I went to high school with. And they take me from my friends and pull me over to their table. 
And I'm sitting next to the other guy and he's the one who's talking to me. But Chad is sitting across from me and underneath the table, Chad is playing footsie with me. At one point, he reaches his hand across the table and like touches my arm. And then he gets up and goes to the bathroom. Is there a kind of lingering look over his shoulder? And a... Yes. Okay. I think he kind of walks Ooh. by and like squeezes my shoulder. And I'm just like, <laughs> what is going on? Is this happening? So I eventually get up and leave the other guy who seems completely oblivious. I think he doesn't even notice what's happening. Um, straight guys. He, he, straight They're guys. They're so much fun. Literally. And he's like also, I think, the drunker of the two. So he's just completely like, he doesn't know what's happening. So yeah, so I go to the bathroom and Chad is waiting for me. And we don't do anything. He just says, "I've." he's like, don't you know I've, I've wanted you for a long time? I'm still like, what? So we exchange phone numbers. And he's like, yeah, I'm here until I go to school right after New Year's. Like, call me. So I'm like, okay, great. And then I go and I sit with my friends and I'm like, um, this just happened. Like, I, I still don't believe it's happening, but it seems to have happened. So the next day he calls me and we talk and he wants me to come over to his house the next day. Now, the next day is New Year's Eve. So um, we make plans for me to go over to his house like during the day. And I do. And we he brings me down to his basement and his basement is kind of like his like man cave. He's a super athletic, muscular guy. His whole thing in high school was um, track and field and cross country. I think he like maybe won state championships and like, just like was very intense about it. And did you find him hot when you were at school with him? But oh, would never yeah. dare act The whole him. reason why this was so unbelievable is because this is one of the guys that was like in my spank bank. Like I would think of him, <laughs> there was like a rotation of like, I don't know, five or six guys that I thought were really hot. And all the time I would just like be thinking about them and fantasizing about them. But I never thought uh-huh. that anything would happen with any of them. Let's see. He was about my height, just super built, super muscular, blonde haired, blue eyed, not the sharpest tool in the shed, like not the smartest guy, but not the dumbest, just sort of average in that way, but just really hot. And he, he was never really like a dick to me like some guys were really assholes to me when I was younger by the time I was a senior I was cool with everyone but like he was never a total jerk which was nice mm-hmm. so I had like I had some respect for him so I get to his house and he immediately wants to start hooking up and I'm like no let's talk about this first because like I <laughs> I just feel like I'm in in territory that I don't know what to do with and so we talk and he sort of confesses that he's really curious and that he's had a little crush on me and that because I'm really feminine, he feels more comfortable exploring with me as opposed to like, you know, a sort of a butcher gay guy. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. He offers to give me a blowjob, which I... The gentleman. That's such a sweet thing. (laughs) Well, that shocked me because I was so used to the narrative of straight guys like wanting to get a blowjob, maybe wanting to fuck you, but not necessarily offering to do the same in return. It's not gay if you don't actually put a dick in your mouth. Exactly. That was the kind of culture that I was in in that school, for sure. So I didn't, I didn't take him up on that. I was like, let's just like start with like making out. And so we make out for a little bit. And he like, he like lays down and pulls me on top of him and we make out. He's an okay kisser. It's fine. And I'm a virgin at this point. Like I've, I've sucked dick, but I've never, um, I've never had anal sex um, or even come close to it. I wasn't ready for it, but I'm wondering if it's going to happen. And that that day, I was wondering. And what was going through your mind at this point? Because this, I'm I'm fascinated. I'm really into this story. I just, oh. I can't believe this is happening. Am I really here? I'm in I'm in Chad's basement. Like I've never, I've also never been with a guy that like muscular, like just this who really feels in some ways like a man. Like I had not experienced that. 
it was super hot. And I just was like, I was like, I feel like I'm in a dream state. Like I actually, like, this is that, that like straight guy that, that everyone sort of fantasizes about and like wants to, to be with, like when they're a little baby gay, like you look at those boys and you want to be with them. I am actually like at this guy's house. There's clearly nobody here. He had actually wanted to come to my house, but I was like, that's just not an option. Like, that's not a thing that can happen. And so I think he kind of made it happen where he was like, okay, you can come to my my place. So then eventually I go down on him. And it's really nice because he has like a nice stick, but it's not like huge. And I wasn't super experienced, but I, I knew what I was doing. And he is like kind of going crazy. He's doing the whole thing. He's got his hand on my head. He's pushing it up and down but again because he's not too big I, I i can handle it so i'm very comfortable mm-hmm. with it after a few minutes he like totally comes in my mouth <gasps> mm. and Yum. I, yeah it was like super hot i was just like wow i can't believe that happens and then he gets up and sort of walks by me to go get a towel to like dry wipe off and i just sort of slapped his ass which is <laughs> like the most jock thing I've ever done. And he had, he had this really huge, like round muscular ass. Cause he was like so mm-hmm. strong. It was just like incredibly hot. So, you know, we chat for a few more minutes. I ask him if he like is interested in fucking me or if that's something that he's ever wanted to do. And he says, no, like, he's like, I don't want to do that. That's too gay. But <laughs> I like, all of this was great. And so I'm like, okay, all right, well, this is lovely. Like, are we going to see each other again? And he's like, probably not. I go back to school. It's New Year's Eve. And he goes back to school on January 2nd. He's like, probably not. I'm like, okay, no problem. Like, this was fun. Figure yourself out. Like, you know, it's it's fun to explore and whatever. Of course, he's, he does the whole, like, don't tell anyone. Oh, bless. Yes. And I was like, I I was like, no worries. I, I won't tell anyone. Of course, I told my best friends. <laughs> and she told everyone, so that's fine. Yeah, that, yeah. That's cool. Cut to that night. <laughs> oh my god! My girlfriend and my best friend and I go to the New Year's Eve party of a friend of ours, and the girl who's hosting the party is the girlfriend of another guy that I went to high school with. And so we're there, we're having a good time, we're drinking, we're still kind of new to drinking because we were pr- really well behaved in high school. And Chad shows up. Yeah, Chad shows up. And I just, I remember that we get in there and he arrives and we're having a conversation about one of our high school teachers who's an Asian man and he says something racist. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he says something racist. And I was just like, really? Did I just suck his dick? (laughs) Like, (laughs) is that what just happened? Of course, it's what happened. But, you know, we proceed with the party. We all get wasted. Eventually, we, we spend the night because, like, we're all too drunk to drive. So we're partying in this girl's basement but everyone sort of disperses to different rooms all over the house and it ends up being me and chad alone in the basement on the pull-out couch oh my so we full out we fool around again and then i don't remember how well the fooling around went because we were both pretty drunk it would have been rude not to at (laughs) this point it, it would have been rude not to but eventually we fall asleep and we pass out. And I wake up the next morning. He is big spooning me. Like, he's wrapped around me. His arms wrapped around me. And I was just like, okay. Like, this is actually really nice. Like, I feel I feel valued and respected. <laughs> and I'm like, this sort of badass jock guy is just like, he just wants to spoon. And tonight he wanted to spoon a boy. That's adorable. And... That was the last time I saw him until the following year. Nothing happened. 
but the girl who hosted the party night went over to his apartment and then she had to leave and she just looked at me and she was like you should stay if you want and I should have stayed but I was like no I'll leave too and I left and I really wish I had like stayed because he and he was like yeah you should stay and I like didn't um so I've always kind of wondered, like, what could have happened? I've never seen him since. That would have been, like, the holidays around 2005, 2006, like, that, that where that year changes. But the thing that I, like, I took away from that interaction, which was so important for me, was that this whole concept of, like, leagues, like, this person's out of my league, that person's out of my league, like, that's not a thing. Like, that's a fiction because desire is so much less controlled, than that like desire is desire that was important for me because I went through most of college not dating not hooking up and because I was as feminine as I am and of course now I know I'm non-binary and that has been such a gift because I've been able to like express myself the ways I want to the real gift was that I was able to hold on to that and feel like I could be desired for my femininity when for many years after that I went through life being told by many, many people, especially gays, like, you're too feminine, like, you're great, but you're too feminine, I'm not into that, I'm into guys, like, da-da-da. And at moments when my self-esteem was really low, I was, like, actually, like, this guy wanted me, and a bunch of these other guys also wanted me, and if I had trusted it a little bit more, I might have, like, had those experiences at that time, which could have been cool, um... But I really just wasn't ready for them. Like, I wasn't prepared for that because I, I never saw it coming. But it was hugely important for me to hold on to those moments because I, for many years after that, I just was being rejected for being so feminine. And thinking that those kinds of men, sort of cisgender, masculine presenting, straight presenting men who were so often heralded as like the object of desire in our community, like I thought I couldn't get them. And it helped me take them off the pedestal to know that like I could. I have, I would again, and I did again. <laughs> and um, it was just no big deal. Like they were no better than any of the rest of us. So that's my story with Chad. And Chad, if you're listening, get in touch because Dennis would love to catch up with you. <laughs> catch up. Oh, lovely. That's a really sweet story. Thank you for sharing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know if he ever self-defined as, as bi or, or gay or anything? Or was it were you like his straight Achilles heel? Were you the, the one person that he couldn't not have? I would imagine that he never identified as queer after that, simply because of his environment. Like he went to college in a small town in Ohio. 
I mean, I think it was a bigger school than like where I went. So I'm sure there were all kinds of people there in terms of sexuality, but he was a fraternity boy. He presented in, in such a way. And I would imagine that he just never like took on that identity. I would also imagine though, that I'm not the only guy that he hooked up with. I could be, but I would imagine that there was lots of opportunity and that like, why wouldn't he take advantage of it? Because I don't feel like he was done. And I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know what his life is like. Like he's not really on social media. So I have no idea what his life is like, but I would imagine that he might still be, you know, on the DL. I love that you checked though. You're like, oh, he's not on social media. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've checked. <laughs> like years later, I would like try to look him up. And for a while he was on Facebook and we were never Facebook friends, but he was on Facebook and I would look just to, just to remind myself that I had like been with a guy that looked like that and that acted like that. I sort of hate the fact that I needed that validation, but I would look and I w- and I was curious to see if he ever did like come out in some way. And I get and it's possible, I guess, that he has for all I know, but I think word would have gotten back to me. And I don't, I just don't think he did. Like you say, it's that kind of, oh, he's really masculine. He's not going to go for someone like you. Why would he fuck you when he could just fuck a real girl or whatever? And it's just, ah, oh, really toxic and horrible. Oh, Great yeah. that you can, that you have that kind of, well, he did. So shut your fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just, it really, I remember being a junior in college and having a conversation with a straight friend of mine who was a great ally and just being like, so sad because like no nothing was happening for me romantically and I wanted it so badly at that moment like I felt like I had never had a I felt like um I had never had a boyfriend I had never been in love and I also like because I came out pretty young I came out when I was just barely 15 I think or 16 just barely 16 and I was so feminine I felt like I dealt with all of the shitty aspects of being gay and I wasn't getting like the good aspects right so like I had a religious family like that was a complicated situation I was at a school where I wasn't accepted by a lot of people and I was constantly being microaggressed and bullied and like being made to feel less than um both for being gay and for being feminine So I was dealing with all the shitty aspects of being gay, but I wasn't getting, like, I wasn't in love. I didn't have a great boyfriend. I wasn't having sex. Like, I just was like, where's where's all the good stuff? Like, there's supposed to be good stuff that comes with this. That's why I came out and I'm not getting it. And I wasn't getting it in college either. Um, And I really didn't get it until after graduate school when I moved to New York and finally was, like, in the world. And so I was, like, sitting on my friend's lap and, like, just crying and, like, whatever. And there were other gay guys in our acapella group. This was on an acapella tour trip. There were other gay guys in our group and they had all come out after me and they were all a lot butcher than me and all of them were having experiences and they were also all white. And I just, I was like, wow, like I'm really not built for this world, but this is who I am. And I was like, should I try to butch it up? I had tried to butch it up at different points at that moment. I was not trying because it wasn't me, but it was, a. there were many years where I just like didn't know how to present myself to the world in a way that might help me um, like attract someone to to date or be involved with and so having that validation I was like okay but there was one and like he was in my school at the same time as me like it can't be that difficult for me to meet someone and of course now I know that it's not but I was just very young at that time and I was in a very small environment as an older gay now well as an older queer now if you know I mean what would you say to someone in that situation now so I had I had a few wonderful people in my life who were older. Uh, one of the English teachers that I had in high school, she was actually never my teacher, but she was an Indian woman. She'd gone to Bryn Mawr College and she was like my mentor in high school. 
And the thing that she said to me at that time was, this is not your life. Like where you are right now, this is not your life. You were destined for so much more than this. Your life is going to be so much bigger and better than this. This is just your circumstance right now. And she's like, I know you can't see it, but I see it. And I know like what the greatness that is in store for you. And she, she, she kind of like did that thing that parents do with little kids where they hold them by the shoulders and they look right, like right next to them. And they're like, look at, they're like, look out at like whatever. So she was like, look out at these like fools. And she's like, half of these idiots, the best thing that's going to be in their life is this time right now. Half of these idiots are actual idiots. Whereas you're brilliant. The, the peak of your life is yet to come. You just have to get there. And it's like a much more detailed way of that sort of cliche movement. It gets better, but that's what it is distilled is, is it gets better, but it, but it really does. Like you have to sort of find the strength to be yourself. And for me, what I've learned is that the simple fact that I exist in this skin, in this presentation, in this personality, in this voice is enough for me to know that I am enough. And I just had to wait for the rest of the world to catch up. It is catching up. So it's just about moving forward and being your most honest self. And there will be people who will love you and desire you for that. And they'll be awesome people. Great. All the people that I'm dating and seeing like are amazing. And it's just, it's just about like moving forward, trying to find the big picture of your life, which is hard to do when you're young. Like it's hard to have that perspective. And I needed someone to tell me that. And thank God I did. Like this version of your life isn't your life. This version of your life is just your current circumstance and you will move on from it. That's lovely looking at things and going, all right, the world you have at the moment is not the world. There's so much more. Let's go look. And oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Imagine being the kind of person that peaks in high school. But I'm telling you, I have so much more style. I walk the world with so much more authority. Like I look so much better. Some of these people really did peak in high school in a myriad of ways. And some it's petty, but sometimes I remember that too, because I'm like, you made my life in high school, but those were the best years of your life. And like, come on. And I'm getting to like travel the world and get on stages and like talk about being a hoe and talk about patriarchy and racism and all these amazing things. And I'm getting to like share my writing with the world, which I'm so grateful for. Like I'm in some ways lucky that I have so many opportunities, but it's like, it just reminds me that she was right. I'm living the life I was meant for holding on to who you are and just like moving through the world and like trusting that you're going to put yourself where you need to be is, um, is the way to do it and trusting that you're not where you need to be at that point. But if you're young, you're probably not in control of where you are. So as you begin to get that agency, as you grow older, you get to shape your life into what you want it to be. You're exactly right. Once you start doing that and you kind of go, you know what, if I'm going to be me, I can't be me in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. I need to move somewhere bigger and more exciting and more with more opportunity. Then yeah, that's, that's when that, that kind of shit all starts to come together. I think you're really right. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a, a part of you that almost whisper in your ear that, that Chad was a, was a fluke and that that, that was going to be it and there was never going to be anyone else? That was one of the harder things about that time because it really was quite a few years. I, like, I never had a boyfriend in college. Like, it turns out a lot of queers go through college and don't have boyfriends, but I didn't know that. Like, I watched Felicity growing up and I just thought it would be like that. Like, I would have all these hot guys wanting to sleep with me and like, whatever. And I also went to a college that didn't, it was very small and didn't have a lot of gay people, even though it was very progressive. So there were definitely times where I was like, oh, that's a fluke. But I also was able to to sort of say to myself, but it happened. 
Like, it happened. And even flukes have to happen, like, often happen (laughs) more than once. I guess because I did see people around me having certain interactions with people and, like, having hookups and having romance, in some cases, sort of illicit secret romances, but romances nonetheless, I think I did understand that the college I was at was very small. My environment was still very small. And that if I just like got out into the world, that it would change. And I, I remember now, I graduated from college in 2008. The economy was complete shit and I had no money and I had no job. And so I moved back home, took a job selling soap at the mall. And that was what I did for a year. And I start, and I was like writing fiction and, and like deciding that I wanted to be a writer. Even just like working in, in a mall, like in a city, as opposed to being in a tiny school, like there were men who would hit on me. Like when I would go to gay bars, like sometimes at the store, people who worked at the mall, there were like situations that I could have like followed up on if I had had the confidence and if I had known how. And so I was, I spent even that year learning, oh, you are desirable. And then the next year I moved to Philadelphia with friends in a house and I had some experiences and went on some dates and like met some people and it was really edifying for me just to be in the world. I mean, when I moved to New York after graduate school, the very first date I went on is a guy that I ended up dating for six months. And it was like, it was my first serious, like semi-serious relationship. Wow. And like when I'm on a date with him, like, <laughs> like literally within the first week. And my friends had all, my college friends had all said like, like, oh, they're like, none of that stuff matters in New York. There's so many people. Everyone wants different things. People feel free to be them. So like, you're going to be fine. And I, and I was fine. It it completely changed. And I like that first year in New York, like I made up for lost time. <laughs> Those first few years, I'll say I made up. For yeah, lost I was going to say not just that first year. I've heard some of your stories, <laughs> you know, yeah. in some ways, I'm still making up for lost time. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of the uh, the queer population of the world, we thank you. Please keep it up. <laughs> I mean, listen, a thought's got a thought, right? <laughs> so true. And as often as possible. Yeah. <laughs> for real. For real. Yes. (laughs) So important. I could sit and talk to you all day, but I feel like I should let you get back to your writing and stuff. Well, I guess I should promote maybe a few things. Yeah, feel free. Go for it. Plug whatever you like. Okay. So if you like literary fiction, there's two ways that you can get to some of my work. I mean, if you go to my website, www.dennisnorsii.com, you'll find all the links. But there's a chapbook that I put out a couple of years, like a year and a half ago that's done really well called Ost Collection Dennis Norris II. And it's a collection of four short stories sort of about queer black boyhood. That is sort of the overwhelming theme of, of my work. And then I had a story that is an excerpt of the novel that I'm currently like finishing up and hoping to send to publishers soon. It's in a collection called Everyday People, The Color of Life, which is available um, from Atria Books. You can find it at amazon.com, most independent publishers. And so check that out. And then, of course, my podcast, Food for Thought. That's food, the number four, and thought spelled T-H-O-T. So yeah, check all that out. If people want to get in touch with you on social media, where's the best place to do that? Twitter or Instagram. On Twitter, my handle is at the Earl Denden, T-H-E-E-A-R-L-D-E-N-D-E-N. On Instagram, I'm Dennis Earl I-I. Um, and you can contact me through my website as well. There's a contact me button if you just scroll all the way down. Um, and those are the easiest ways to reach me. That was probably true. 
the multi-award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the multi-award-winning Scott Flashheart. It was designed to remind all of my queer siblings that we are none of us alone. You can find links, transcripts of every episode, and all that good stuff at probablytruepodcast.com. If you enjoyed or found value in anything you've heard today, you can support the show on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash probablytrue. And if you want to get in touch, just search Probably True Podcast on the socials. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.